Uh, welcome to church. We have started the year um, in faith. I really am excited about the coming conference. Uh, I've been praying a lot about it. Uh, if you're able to be there, uh, I'd love you to be there. Uh, if you're available, please join us. We, we need you to register. You can register last minute, but it just helps us with our planning. Um, so go and have a look and, and join with us. The simple premise for the conference is to encounter God. That worship moment we had a moment ago, I want session after session of waiting on God and encountering Him and, and seeing Him move in our life and bring strength and restoration to us. Who needs that? So we can go out to a world that needs it even more, into a world that doesn't have Jesus. So this week uh, and this month, I've been fasting. And who here uh, is not enjoying the fasting? Give me a wave because there's a few honest people. There's a few people that might be, but I like food. And I found that we're doing a Daniel fast. But the problem is I find it very difficult to prepare foods. So sometimes instead of preparing food, I just skip the meal because it's easier. And then I get really desperately hungry uh, towards the end of the day. And I am very regimented. Yours know. I always love talking about exercise, but I've actually paused it just for a little minute because on Tuesday I went for a run and about three kilometres in, I was like, what the heck am I doing? Now, there's people here that think that about running all the time. Uh, you know, too many amens there. That's, that's, uh, but I, was, I finally joined that club. I was running. I was like, why the heck am I running right now? I think I'm tired. Uh, I'm thinking about getting home. I literally, what I do each night is I get out the clothes for the exercise the next day. I put them on the floor so I can wake up, get straight into them and go. But I literally have found myself getting up and just staring at the clothes. <laughs> not exercising, not moving, staring. And I just begin to let the time wander by. And, you know, I reckon it's been up to five minutes where I've stared and I'm like, there's just the enjoyment and the excitement about it has not arrived because I'm hungry and I'm tired and I need strength. Come on. Jet's hungry as well. You can tell. <laughs> He's amening about the food. I said, I'm hungry. That's when he amened. And I um, started thinking and pondering of the Scripture that I shared a few weeks ago on the Vision Sunday around the theme for this year, Isaiah 40, 31, when it says, but those or they who wait on the Lord renew their strength. So those who wait on the Lord, we know we talked about the fact that it's not our strength, but rather it's God's strength coming into your life. It says they'll renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not. Grow faint. Began to ponder this week. Why do we need to run and not grow weary? Look, I was on the run and I was thinking, why the heck am I running? And then I read this scripture and I think, you know, it's a great scripture. We can run and, and not grow weary. But why do we need to run? It's a question that I asked myself this week. I know that when I go to the exercise, I began to think about, well, I'm running because it helps me sleep better. I believe that I'm building a strength and a fitness and a health in my life so that I can minister to my family and to our community for a longer period of time. So the rationale of why I run made sense. So when we think about why are we running, 
we know that it's easy to think about the rationales. We run and we don't want to grow weary because we, we run and we need God's strength because we want to fulfill His purpose and His call for our life. Who wants to fulfill the call of God for their life? We do. We want to see the kingdom of God advanced. You want to run and not grow weary when it comes to serving your family. April was away for two days this weekend. She's back this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I went and found another father who also, his wife was away. And then we let the kids play with the kids so we could have a break. But we need energy from God, strength from God in order to minister well to our families and to the communities around us. It makes sense. We need God's strength to remain active in our faith. But yet we know the Bible says in Galatians, don't grow weary doing good because sometimes doing good makes you weary. And we need God's strength in our life so that we can be people of influence. You know, I'm asking the Lord every day to bring strength upon this community because I declare our greatest days are ahead of us. Our greatest days are ahead of us. COVID has put a lot of things on hold and churches are slowly crawling back. But I know that God works all things for good. I know that He builds His church. I know that He strengthens His people. So therefore, a capacity from God is going to come upon you to minister to those in your workplace, to your family. Relationships restored. God coming in and building lives as we take on His supernatural strength. That's why we run to see the will and the purpose of God for your life happen. As your pastor, as the leader of this community, we come together to encourage one another, but we believe in what God has put on you as an individual. So run, run after God's will and God's purpose and let us come around and support and encourage you in that. So as I pondered, I thought about a story in the Bible in 1 Kings chapter 18, and we're going to look at that today. We see a prophet named Elijah in this incredible moment where he runs. Now, there's some debate about the length, but we can average it out. I sat in the middle, over 25 kilometres he ran, supernaturally in front of the king's chariot. That has to be an unofficial world record. Like, if you think about that, if I was to put up a picture of, of Jordan standing there or Jordan on his motorbike, who's going to win in a race? If you got a picture of me in a jockey outfit, I was built to do it. Uh, you know what I mean? Or me on a horse, who's going to win? So if you think of this scenario, he runs supernaturally in front of the king's chariot for over 25 kilometres. Why was the question I asked God this week, why was it so important that he supernaturally was empowered to run in that way? Why? Have you thought about it? What advantage did that have? What was the reason for that moment? Why is it that he literally in the physical could run and not grow weary? I said, Lord, I want to know. So we're going to look at that Scripture today and I feel that there are a few principles that we can apply to our life as we wait on God. Because those who wait on God, those whose hope are in God, those who trust in 
God, they renew their strength. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not grow faint. You know, it's interesting when you think about that scripture just now, the run and not grow weary is supernatural empowerment, but the walk and not grow faint is just God helping you in practical life. So let's have a look at this scripture together today. So the background uh, to what's going on is, is very interesting. Uh, there is a moment where there's a bit of a battle going down for God's people. It's between Yahweh, the one and true living God, versus a false God called Baal. And what's happened is the people's loyalties uh, not only been divided, but they're beginning to worship this God. This is what's happening. And what happens is there's a prophet named Elijah, a powerful prophet. He goes, hey, there is a battle going on right now to say who's the bigger God? Who's the more powerful God? Who's the real God? I serve the one and only living God and I know that He'll manifest Himself to show His people who He is. So in chapter 17, He declares there's gonna be no rain. There's gonna be no rain until I say so. And three years go by and not a drop of rain has happened. And then it begins to culminate to this point where he then goes and presents himself to the king and says, hey, uh, we're going to figure this out right now. So you go and get all the prophets of this false God, Baal, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the only one left from my true and living God. And they go down to this place and, and what they do is they set up this wood. And then what they say is he says to them, to the false prophets of Baal, you pray to your God and you call down fire from heaven and I'll pray to my God and I'll call down heaven. Uh, fire from heaven and the winner will prove who the living God is, who's bigger, who's stronger, who's more powerful. Now we know the story. It's one of my favourite stories in the Bible. It rationales the fact that you can trash talk when you're in a competition and that you can use toilet humour. It's in the Bible. I know people get weirded out by that, but he says, where's your God? Is He on the toilet? Is pretty much what you can see in some translations. And what happens is they, they pray and they prophesy to nothing. And nothing happens. And then Elijah takes it to another level. He, he says, go and soak the wood. Make it impossible because my God is the God of the impossible. And he calls down fire from heaven and it consumes it and, and it's burnt away. And then what happens is in that moment, if you read in the Scripture, it says all the people were there recognised, including the king. So in this moment, you need to remember there is a repentance that comes upon them. And they say, all the people recognised you are God. You are God. So instantly there's been repentance, which means that there's about to be restoration. So what they do is they gather all the 400 prophets and they slay them, they kill them. And then we land in the moment where he's about to run before the king's chariot. So if you guys wanna go to uh, verse 41, it will be on the screen behind me. And it says this, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go, eat and drink, for is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, Everyone put their hand up. Everyone do this, put your hand up. A cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. This big, this big, this big. 
Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds and the wind rose and a heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah. The power of the Lord came on Elijah and tucking in his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Wow. What a moment. What a moment. God ushers in to a land that hasn't had any rain for three years because there's a moment where God shows who He is. He reveals Himself to His people. There is repentance and God brings breakthrough. So how did He get to the place which we'll build to as to why I believe He ran in front of the chariot but I believe first there are some things that we need to look at in our own life today that I think helps prepare us to serve God better, to help move us into a position where we can wait on God and see His strength come upon our life. The first one is this, remove the competition. If you look at what's happened, it says this, it says, go eat and drink for there is the sound of a heavy rain. The reason for the drought was the sin of the people in worshipping this false God. So what's happened is they've all, the influence of all those prophets have been destroyed. There's been a moment of repentance. So now what's happened is what was competing against God who doesn't want to share His people had been removed. So the reason for the drought had now been dealt with. God doesn't want to compete with us for the places and spaces in our life that He wants. And what happened in this scenario is something had been competing. It was a false God had been competing for the loyalty and love of His people, but now it had been removed. Are there things in the world, are there things in your world that are competing with spaces that God wants to occupy in your life. I tried to reflect upon myself in, in the coming weeks. I've been trying to pray more and falling on my knees more as I, as I fast and seek God for what the next step is in our journey together. And I realised this week that one of the things that I have been doing is I love following lots of other churches so I can steal good ideas. You know, and I think, oh, that's fantastic. And I'll send that to somebody in the team. But what happened is I'd also look at great preachers and, uh, and, and they were getting great insight from the Holy Spirit. And I thought, wow, isn't that fantastic? But I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, don't look at them for, for uh, new and fresh uh, revelation. Look to me. So I thought, whoa, even though it's a good thing and had been competing against the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life. You have to remove the competition. Remove the competition. Order your house. I really feel it's good to sometimes take stock. Are there places and spaces in your world that the Holy Spirit wants to inhabit, but there's competition there? And here's three spaces in your world 
that I want you to reflect upon to see whether you need to give more room for God in that place. The first space is the tired space. When you're so tired and you get home, you've cooked, you've cleaned, you've settled the family, you, you hit the evening and then you just, you're so tired, you can't even concentrate. So you put on Netflix or you put on the television or you put on something else. And I really felt the Lord say, He wants the tired space. Simply where you get home. Sit down on the couch before putting on the noise, before doing anything else and just sit there and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I'm tired right now, but I wanna give you first this space. I wanna give you this space, Father, where, where you are able to strengthen me. I love you and I'm physically, emotionally and mentally tired. So Father, I want to give you this space first. Help me to cook dinner without yelling at my spouse. Father, help me to do things well while I'm in this space. And I believe, Holy Spirit, the best way to do it is I give it to you now. Would you help me? Don't give your tired space to Netflix or to Disney Plus or to social media. Give it to God, the tired place. Now, I don't want us to be religious about the fact that God needs to consume all of your life. He does, but that's not to the detriment of get away from me, children, I'm spending time with the Lord. You've still got to honour your family. God calls you to minister to them. But often what happens I'm finding as I grow as a person is that we give our best and first fruit to the workplace and you come home and then you're in the tired space and that's what the family gets. So give the tired space to the Lord and let Him strengthen you to love your family better. The busy space. The busy space. We can be so busy in the practical bouncing from appointment to appointment. I know that we've gone from a period of time where life really slowed down. That's not real life. People that think you need to stay in that place, that's not healthy life, being isolated and let go from one another. A healthy place is a balanced place where you have rest, but you have a time where you engage and you love and you serve your family and your community. But the busy space, we get up and we get running and we move and we do whatever we can and we try to make the right decisions. But yet we're so busy, we're not really asking the Lord to help guide our decisions. What we're doing is we're just making them on the fly. I felt the Lord say to me, the Holy Spirit, give me the busy place. So before you start your day, close your eyes. Come before the Holy Spirit and say, I know I have a really busy day. And I need you to grace me, Father, for today. So I ask you now, before I have to make the decisions, before I have to run between appointments, would you help me to make the right decisions as they come? I ask you now to meet me then because I know you're already there. I give you this busy space to begin with, Father, so that you can use me for your will. I give you the busy space. Father, the Lord, save the joyful space. 
how good is it when things are just great? <laughs> you know, we had an eldership meeting on uh, Thursday night and um, we didn't get a break up last year. So we were able to have some, some food. And I just was so excited. We were having Indian. Who loves Indian? Oh, man, and the naan bread. Who loves the naan bread? And the butter chicken. And I just found myself screaming. Every time someone came in the house, hey, I frightened one of the elders so bad when they came in. I know that that elder's at home watching. We won't say what happened as I frightened him. But we've all been there. Give God the joyful space. Give God the joyful space. Hey, Father, I thank you. I'm not giving anybody else credit for what you're doing right now. My family are together. They're all around me when we had, we had, we met for my uh, little nieces and my birthday and I had the family around. And I know now when I'm excited, I find myself yelling. So the trigger for me is when I yell, I'm gonna give God the glory. Thank you, Father. He wants the joyful space. We give Him other spaces in our world, but let's give Him the credit where credit is due. He's a faithful God. There's one other space that I feel a lot of people at the moment, whether it be decisions made in the past, whether it be decisions moving forward, but let God invade the anxious space the insecure spaces in your world. We know that in Philippians, it's one of my favourite scriptures, chapter 4, 6 and 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, make your request to God and the peace which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind. So when you get anxious, give God that space. I'm going to pray, I'm going to ask, and I'm going to thank you, Lord. Father, I've come to you. And now I'm asking you, and then I'm thanking you for your goodness. These are the spaces. Remove the competition. Don't let anything compete where God wants to be in your life. Give Him those places and spaces back. In the extreme, in this scenario in Scripture, they've given their worship and their dedication to a false God and God wanted it back. And breakthrough was coming because the prophets had been killed. There had been repentance, which means they had given Yahweh, the one and only true living God, the space back and He was about to move. He was about to bring rain to a drought-ridden land. The second thing is this, pray for the breakthrough. The repentance has happened. He says, I hear the sound of rain. What he was saying is, I understand that now things are lined up in the community for God to bring restoration. And 1 Kings 18.42, it says this, So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah, Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. We see this incredible scenario. I still continue to think, just incredible move of God after move of God, the drought calling down fire, the removal of the prophets. 
And yet all the things had been lined up practically now for God to move. Everything had been lined up. So the king went to eat, but Elijah prayed in the breakthrough. The humility of the posture with his face between his knees. We can align everything, but we need God to bring the breakthrough. You can set up your business and you can do everything right, but you need God to bring in the customers. You need God to move. You can do everything you can to restore a broken relationship, but you need God to move on the heart of that situation. You see, you can do everything you can in the practical. It was all ready, but Elijah didn't go to eat and rest on everything. What he did is he said, Father, I've done everything I can. Now you move. Now you move. Father, I pray for any situation where there are people in this room They've done everything they can in the practical, Father. Now we ask you to move. We ask you to move. We ask you to bring the rain. We ask you to bring the rain. Because what happens when we pray is we want God to do it straight away. But as we look at this Scripture, He has got everything lined up. Everything's ready to go when He prays. And we know He's praying for rain. Because why else does He keep sending His servant to look? So He's saying, Father, they've repented. Father, everything's ready to go. Would you move? Pray it in. Pray in the breakthrough. Pray in the breakthrough. And what happens is you see the consistency of returning seven times. Hey, Father, you know, last time I prayed, it didn't happen, but I'm renewing my faith because the faith statement is go back and look. That's what he says to his servant, go back and look again. So then the servant goes and comes back and guess what? He prays and then he renews his faith and says, go and have a look again. Go and look again. We can do everything we can to see God move, to see His strength come upon you. Do whatever you can in the physical and the practical and then pray in the breakthrough. Father, I need you to move now in my life. Here's something I love about Elijah. Small changes, but big faith. Small changes, but big faith. It's cool because it's the the opposite and extreme awesome end of the fact that in, in Matthew 17, 20, it says this, he replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, You can say to this mountain, move, and it will move from here to there. It will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. The Bible says, the Scripture says that the potency of faith is so strong that you only need a little bit for God to do amazing things. But you look at Elijah. And on the seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand rising from the sea. If I checked a radar and there was a cloud that was a little speck, I would not say this. Go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariots and go down before the rain stops you. It's the size of a hand. A small change initiated big faith. 
It's only the size of a hand, but you better go because the rain's going to stop you. A small shift or change in the atmosphere coupled with faith brings great breakthrough. People have been battling with health, but there's a small improvement. Get big faith. Oh man, I better get ready. God's going to move. You're struggling with a relationship and there's a small act of kindness. Get excited. God's about to move. If God can bring a drenching flood starting with a cloud the size of a person's hand, that means when we walk into this room and there's just a small hand raised, God's about to move. God's about to move. You got that boss that you're not sure if he appreciates you and he says something ever so small. Oh my gosh, is that a cloud rising from the ocean? All that hard work that I've been doing because I serve God and not man. God sees me. Faith is so potent. But I want to be like Elijah. When I see a small breakthrough, I want big faith. I want big faith. Dan, I'll get you to join me. Then we come to verse 46. And it says, The power of the Lord came on Elijah. And tucking in his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Two incredible things. Please, let's recognise the athletic skill of this man. That's incredible. But this is what had happened. God supernaturally empowers him for a moment. Now, if you look about the previous three years, because of the sin in the community, because of the moral change, Elijah opposed it. He opposed the sin, which meant from the king's perspective, this guy doesn't like me. He, he's out to, to get me. So he spent years looking for him. Many places he sent people to try and find Elijah. But what had happened is in this moment, in the, the previous part of Scripture, we know the king has repented. It says all there. He's repented. He's recognised God is God. So Elijah says to him, get in your chariot and go. The rain's coming. Now the king in that moment still would not have been sure about Elijah. Hey, we're still restoring this thing. I don't know where you're at. Now what happens is when a person would serve the king, sometimes the king would have a forerunner, somebody that would go before him to announce him in places. And what happened is if you were a forerunner, that meant you were happy to serve the king. So when Elijah, who had seen God do incredible things, didn't ask for a ride in the king's chariot, didn't come back with him, but rather God empowered him for a humble act of service towards the king. He ran before the chariot and in so said to the king, I was not opposed to you as a person. I was opposed to the sin in our community. And now that you will serve God, I am happy to be the prophet of God that serves you. I'll run before you. God empowered him for a humble act of service. We want God to do supernatural things in our life, but sometimes the supernatural empowerment is actually going to be humility and service that comes upon you. 
He was supernaturally empowered to encourage and serve the King. Now, there are many other things that people say that, you know, it's to bring a great report about what God had done. There was also a thing going on with Jezebel. We know the next chapter. But he was empowered to run and not grow weary for an act of humility and service. Why did he run? So that he could serve. Why do we need to be waiting on the Lord and renewing our strength so that we can serve the King? So if everybody could close their eyes right now. If you're at home, do the same. In a sign of submission, if you're at home or in this room, why don't you put your hands out in front of you and Father, I want to ask the Lord, Father, would you move in this moment? Are there things in your world that God is asking you to be strengthened for? It might be your family to serve them. It might be your workplace. It might be your kids' sporting team. It might be a park run. It might be this room, our church. But Father, I pray that in a community that wants to be empowered to bring power on themselves, would you supernaturally strengthen us to serve our communities, to serve our families, to see you glorified. So Father, strengthen us as we remove the competition, as we continue to pray in the breakthroughs, we want You to move, Father. We don't want to be right. Elijah wasn't looking to be right. He was looking to be righteous. Father, help us to be that people. Strengthen us.